you have your Bible, go ahead and turn with me to 1 John uh, chapter 2. And we'll start with, with verse 6. And we'll pray real quickly as you turn there. Father God, thank you so much for this night. Thank you for loving us, Lord, and for giving us all the grace and all the blessing that you've given us. Um, Father, we just want to be in your presence, Lord. We want to be with you. Uh, we want to be in, in, with you in spirit and soul. Lord, we long for the day we're with you in, in body as well, that we have a glorified body just like you. In the meantime, Lord, we need you to instruct us. We need you to disciple us. And we're asking that you do that tonight, right now, and all night long. Um, I pray that you'll be glorified by what's said tonight, what's taught, and by what we receive from it and how we, we all live it out, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, in, in 1 John 2, verse 6, it says, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Now, he is obviously Jesus. Whoever says that he abides in Christ ought to walk in the same way that Jesus walked. Um, and the reason being for that is, is kind of multifaceted, but primarily it's because we, if we're born again, if we are those who have been made new creatures in Christ Jesus, if we've been given a new heart, if Christ has taken out of our flesh the heart of stone, He put within our flesh a heart of flesh so that we are new creatures with new desires and a new worldview and we have a love for God that we never had before. Um, if we've been brought to faith in Christ Jesus, then the Bible makes it abundantly clear that we are literally the body of Christ. And we say that a lot of times in church. We talk about being the body of Christ. And I think sometimes um, we kind of see that as more metaphorical than it really ought to be. I think God's way more literal about us being the body of Christ than we're comfortable with understanding it that way. Um, it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We're the body of Christ to the point that he points out to us that we are many members making up a body in the exact same way that your physical body and that you can feel and, and touch has many different parts that all assemble to make up a body. Uh, it's the same reference. This means that because we're the body of Christ, this means that each of us as a part of Christ is really a part of his fullness. Um, in Ephesians 1, 22 and 23, it says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him as the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That means that because of the will of God the Father and the submission of God the Son and the work of the Holy Spirit, if you're in Christ tonight, that literally means that Christ is incomplete without you. That's not to belittle Christ. That doesn't, that doesn't make us even with Christ or equal with Christ. That doesn't belittle Jesus. That makes much of Jesus because He has always been totally, completely, 100% perfect because it's always been His will to take a people into Himself and join them to Himself. He chose for us to be part of His fullness. He didn't have to. He chose to because that was His perfect will. That's what He decided to do. But we are part of Him to the point that the Bible calls us, all born-again believers, all the elect, part of His fullness. He would be, he would, uh, you, you could look at it in a negative fashion. He would not be complete without everyone that he elected to be part of his body. Now, with this understanding, because we are literally part of Christ, we are his 
to use a cliche, His hands and feet here on this earth, this comes with a certain amount of responsibility. This became so by the will of the Father and the work of the Spirit as God the Son submitted to becoming like us so that we could become literally one flesh with Him. Hebrews 2 says this, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, He Himself likewise partook of the same things. Therefore He had to be made like His brothers in every respect. Why did Jesus put on flesh? Because we are flesh. Why did Jesus have blood to shed? Because you and I are flesh and blood and He wanted to be joined with us Totally, so he had to be made like us because we couldn't yet be made like him. We couldn't be brought to where he was yet, so he came to where we are. And that's why the Bible says in Ephesians 5, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Listen to this. This, is, this mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. What did Jesus literally, literally do? He left His Father in heaven and He came and He cleaved to His bride, the church. And we have become one flesh with Him. That's why He could be crucified in the flesh and pay the price for our sin because He was so joined to all of His people in the flesh that literally our sin became literally His sin. His responsibility. Now, since we are Christ's body, and we understand it that way, we, we have a very heavy responsibility. Um, we are responsible to do His will. And I mean that in this way, just as His physical body would have obeyed His mind on this earth, so we should obey now. We're literally His body. Think about Jesus walking around on earth about 2,000 years ago, and He... His brain told his right hand, reach out and heal this leper. And his right hand said, no, not today. That'd be bad, wouldn't it? And when I decide, when Christ tells me, do this, and I say, not today. That's literally the same thing. Because I'm a member of his body. Or when he says, keep your, keep, you know, his brain told him, keep your hand away from that. Because you can't have part with sin. What if his hand said, oh no, I'm, I'm touching that. And that's what we do, isn't it? He tells us, don't have part in these things, and we run and go do those things. What are we doing to Christ when we do that? The Bible says, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. We have a responsibility to live for him because he died for us. He died the death for the whole body. Now the body has to live the life for him. We bear the weight of knowing that our actions reflect on Him. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5.20, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. Some of us that, well, those of us that are younger right now, your parents may say things like this now, say the way you act in public reflects on me, right? Any parents in here, you probably said that to your children. The way you act in public reflects on me. When I was little, my... Sorry, cat. Your child's laying on the steps right now as I said that. That's bad timing. Uh, but funny. You know, my mom and dad would say it as they were whooping me. The way you act in public reflects on me. 
I started to tell them the way I limp around in public reflects on you, but I didn't dare say it at that point. We're ambassadors of Christ. Think about it. What if we as a nation sent ambassadors to another country and those people went and they lived like total fools? Or they lived like just total criminals or hooligans or something? What would that say about the entire nation of America in the eyes of the world? We wouldn't be smiled upon, would we? It would embarrass us. It would humiliate us. It would speak poorly of us. We're ambassadors of Christ. If you're in Christ tonight, we're ambassadors of Christ. We ought to walk as He walked because He deserves that we represent Him well so that not only Christ, but just as Christ did, the Father will be glorified. That's what was important to Jesus on this earth is that His Father be glorified. We should live the way He lived so that He gets what He wants out of His body just like He did when His physical body was here. The Bible says in Matthew 5.16, Jesus said, In the same way you, talking to His disciples... Let your light so shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Or to put it in the negative sense, when we don't live as we're called to live, the name of Christ is spoken poorly of. The Bible says in Romans 2.24, For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. How bad is it when... If we are claiming to be in Christ and we're living a lifestyle that causes other people to look at our life and speak poorly of Jesus. I don't think any of us want that to be um, our biography one day. I don't think any of us want that to be the way we're remembered. We want to be remembered as those whose light shined in a dark place. People saw our good works and they glorified our Lord because of our life. We brought glory to His name, not shame to His name. So, how can we walk as Jesus walked? Let's go back to our first verse. 1 John 2.6 says this. It says, again, Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So we see in that verse that we accomplish this or this is brought about in our lives when we are abiding in Christ. The, the claim of abiding in Jesus here is what John's pointing out is obviously equal to or should lead to walking like Jesus. John's whole point is this, is that if we claim to be abiding in Christ and we're not living like Christ, then our claim to be abiding in Christ is invalid. It's wrong. It's false. Because abiding in Christ leads to living like Christ. So if we want to know how to be good ambassadors of Christ, we want to know how to walk as He walked, that means we have to abide in Him. If we don't abide in Jesus, of course we can't do anything. Right. Jesus said uh, in John 15, 5, He said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. But without me, you can't do anything. We can't do anything good unless we abide in Christ. So how do we abide? Real quickly. First of all, we abide by obeying his commandments. In John 15, 7, Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You get one result with two different things that are really the same. If you abide in me, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. If my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. It's the same. Us abiding in Christ means that His Word abides in us. Does that mean that I just memorize Scripture and I just, you know, I can quote it whenever I want to and that's abiding in me? Well, no, that may be part of it. What it means, abiding, abiding means to live in, to be actively engaged in Filling that place. When you go home to your house, also known as your abode, you don't just 
know how many rooms are in there. You don't just know what the walls look like. You go in there and you feel that house. You live your life. You're active in that house, right? You eat in that house. You go to the bathroom in that house. Usually in that order. You watch TV in that house. You sleep in that house. You mess up a room in that house, Emily. You do whatever you do in that house. Emily's room is legendary, by the way, around here. Um, you Not in a good way. Not famous, infamous. Um, you, you, uh, you know, you, you're active in that house. Well, if his words abiding us, that means that it's doing something in us. It's active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's cutting and dividing. It's convicting us of things that are not Christ-like. And it's challenging us toward things that are Christ-like. And every time that we come into a situation or scenario, it gives guidance. It's, it's actively shining the light in the way we should go. So it's a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It's moving. It's doing something in us. That That's how we know that we're abiding in Christ. And the second thing I just say about how we abide in Christ is what's our motivation to do this? Because it can be awfully hard to abide in Christ in a lot of situations, right? There's a lot of things that Christ commands that aren't easy. Christ says that if we obey Him and we follow Him, it's literally going to cost us everything in this life. It'll cost us friends. It might cost us family. It might cost us physical possessions. It might cost us um, peace in some situations. It'll cost us potentially even our lives at some point. So what's our motivation to be abiding in Christ? Jesus tells us that it's that we would be satisfied just as He trusted and He was satisfied in this life. He said, if you keep my commandments... You will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. How do we abide in Christ? We obey His commandments knowing that when we do, we are assured that we'll abide in the love of God. We'll have intimate relationship with God. That we'll be close with God. And also that in the end, maybe not every single second, but in the end, and, it's, and, and at times throughout this life, our joy will be full. We'll feel the sensation that our joy will be full. And then ultimately, when our life here is done, we get the fullness of joy in the presence of Christ. Because if we're living this way, as if we're walking as He walks now, or as He walked, then we know that we abide in Him. And we know that what John said in the very next chapter of 1 John is true. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but when He comes, we'll be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And in that moment, when we have our glorified body and we're changed, we know that in that first 10 seconds in eternity, we'll have the capacity to enjoy perfect joy in a way that we couldn't in our entire life combine now. We're just not able But for the joy set before us in that moment, for the joy set before us on that day, for the joy set before us in that eternity with Christ, now we have the motivation to take up our cross and follow Him obediently, obeying His commandments. Amen? So let's set our heart to do that. Let's pray. God, thank You so much for this night. We love You and praise You. I pray that You'll glorify Yourself in every word that's said and everything that's done because of it, Lord. I pray that You would just uh, uh, give us... Uh, Give all of our teachers and our ministers an anointing tonight to preach what you want us to preach and give us as hearers uh, the, the anointing to hear with an open ear, see with an open eye, and hearts to respond, Lord. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, Father. Amen.